encourage you to turn this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We begin reading at verse 46. Mark, chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying, take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for the power of Jesus as he healed the blind man and transformed his life. Lord, you are still able to save, able to transform those who are blinded by sin, lost in their sin. And Lord, I pray that you would take now the words that have been given to us by the inspiration of your Spirit. Lord, would you apply them to our lives today? Would you call us as Bartimaeus was called? And I pray, Lord, that our response to your good news would be to follow you, even as Bartimaeus followed you that day. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a man who went to an old country doctor because he wasn't feeling well. And after the doctor gave him a thorough examination, he kind of scratched his head in bewilderment. He said, have you had this before? And the man answered and says, yeah. And so the doctor wrinkled his brow and said, well, you've got it again. (laughs) And sent him away. Now, if I went to a doctor because I was sick, and all he could, could, could do was to confirm, yeah, you're sick. I don't think I would probably go back to him again. When you go to a doctor because you're sick, you already know you're sick, but you want him to have an answer, right? You want a cure. What are you going to do to help me with my sickness? And when you find a doctor that says, I know your problem And I know what the cure is. That's when you find some good news, right? Not just, yeah, you're sick, be on your way, but yes, you're sick, but I know what the answer is. I would assume that Bartimaeus had probably gone to several doctors in that day, and they probably did what the old country doctor did and said, yep, you're blind. There's really nothing I can do about it. But then one day he heard that Jesus was in town and in his great need, he came and he cried out for mercy. And Jesus healed him, not only physically so that he could see with his eyes, but there was a great spiritual healing that happened in his life.
Well, because here was a man that began to follow Jesus. So blind Bartimaeus cried out for the mercy of God, and God did a wonderful work in that man's life. There are three things I want you to notice about the mercy of God in this text. First of all, the mercy of God is the greatest need in our lives. No greater need do you have today or do I have today than the mercy of God. There's no question whatsoever that Bartimaeus had a great need. And there's no question whatsoever that he also knew that. It was, it was uh, as obvious as could be. Here was this man along the road begging because he couldn't work. Uh, no question that he had a great need. And Bartimaeus is really a picture of all of us by nature, we are spiritually blind. Our minds are blinded to the truth by the God of this world who is the great deceiver. Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul says that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan is one who is actively working today to blind the unbeliever from the truth. And so when you meet people daily who don't know Jesus, you ask the question, why do they live the way they do? They're blind. Their minds have been blinded to the truth. This is the kind of people that Jesus described in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus said, you say, I am rich, I become wealthy, and I need nothing. Self-sufficient. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. It's one thing to be spiritually blind, but to be blind and not know it, what could be worse than that? That's what Jesus is saying. You think you got it all together. You don't have any needs. You don't realize you are blind. Spiritually blind. And that's the difference between Bartimaeus and many of the people that we meet every day. Bartimaeus was fully aware of his need. But there are people all around us who are not aware of their need. They don't think they're that bad. They don't think they really need the mercy of God. Their eyes have been blinded to the truth. And so, why cry out for mercy? I don't need mercy. I'm really not that bad. Maybe justice. God, give me justice. You're not fair. But mercy? Huh. Are you kidding me? Since Bartimaeus was fully aware of his helpless condition, he wasn't ashamed to admit his need. Notice that. He was not ashamed to cry out for mercy. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. There's an obvious sense of urgency here in the cry of Bartimaeus, and it's easy to understand why. He had a need that only Jesus could meet. And to make matters even more urgent, we're told in our text that Jesus was leaving Jericho. He was on his way out. How desperate could he be? Only Jesus can help me. He's on his way out. This might be his only opportunity. 
So he wasn't going to presume he had another chance. Jesus, have mercy on me. Oh, be quiet, they said. He cried out all the more, have mercy on me. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the Walmart cheer. Have you heard that? They actually do this, and I don't know if they do it in every store, but I heard it once. Give me a W. And they gather together as a group. And then the, then the workers say, W. Give me an A. A. Give me an L. And they go through the Walmart cheer. Can you picture that? I actually did. I heard that once. My oldest brother, Dean, was in Walmart with my dad. And they did the Walmart cheer. Well, as my dad's walking through the store, he would start doing the Walmart cheer. Give me a W. Give me an A. Give me an L. Well, a little embarrassing if you're walking with your dad and he's given the Walmart cheer all throughout the store. So my brother Dean said, Dad, stop that. That was just like saying sick him. Because if you're going to try and stop me, I'm going to say it all the more. So he said it more and he said it louder. Reminds me of Bartimaeus. Be quiet. Oh, no. I'm not going to be quiet. He began shouting all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. People were trying to stand in the way. And Bartimaeus said, you are not going to stop me. You are not going to stand in the way. I need Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Son of David, have mercy on me. There was a lady in Cleveland, Ohio, who came to special meetings that my father had many years ago. And her husband was trying to stand in the way of, of her salvation. And she came to Jesus during those meetings, and he told her, it's either Jesus or me. Make your choice. Jesus or me. And she told him, she says, as much as I love you, and as much as I want you to stay in this relationship in our marriage, she said, I love Jesus more. And that's the choice she made. Either Jesus or me. Can you imagine that? She said, it's Jesus. I need the mercy of God. And it's Jesus. So the mercy of God is the greatest need in your life today. There's no other need you have that's any greater than that than to receive the mercy of God offered in Jesus. The second thing we notice, the mercy of God is the greatest offer that we can extend to others. So when we know Jesus, when we received His mercy, the greatest thing we can offer to someone is the good news of God's mercy through the Gospel. I've often wondered why the people who heard this man crying out for mercy told him to be quiet. What were they thinking? Here's this guy whose life was, was such a sad situation, begging along the road because he was blind. And he hears Jesus is there. He cries out for mercy and they're saying, just shut up. Be quiet. What in the world would cause them to do that? William Hendrickson offers some suggestions. He says perhaps the people were in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. They didn't want to be stopped by this blind beggar. Or they deemed this yelling to be out of harmony with the dignity of a person like, like Jesus. 
or they were not ready to hear Jesus publicly proclaimed as the son of David, or they knew that their religious leaders would not appreciate this. I mean, obviously conjecture. We don't know for sure. But whatever they were thinking, they were standing in the way of a man in desperate need. They were hindering him from coming to Jesus. And as I was studying this passage this week, I thought, are there ways that I could be hindering someone from coming to Jesus? I hope not. I hope we're not standing in the way of someone coming to Jesus. These people were. They said, be quiet. Be quiet. Jesus heard his cry. And Mark tells us that Jesus stopped. And then he said, call him. Here, So they called the blind man saying, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. So to the ones who were standing in the way, Jesus said, you call him. You tell him to come to me. Don't hinder him. Help him. (laughs) Now, Jesus could obviously have said himself to Bartimaeus, come to me. But he told the crowd, the very ones who were standing in the way, call him, tell him to come to me. If you do a study in the Gospels on all the people that Jesus healed, you will find something very interesting. In the vast majority of those cases, people in one way or another were involved, either They brought this person to Jesus who was in need, or they brought Jesus to the person who was in need. Very few times will you find when Jesus healed someone that some person wasn't involved. What does that suggest? I think it's obvious, isn't it? That we are to be involved in bringing someone to Jesus. Or bringing Jesus to someone so that that person's life can be changed. Very few people met Jesus apart from the involvement of someone else. For example, remember in John chapter 11 when Jesus met Mary? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Verse 28 says, she went away and called Martha, or excuse me, Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. So that's what's excited, exciting about inviting people to come to Jesus. Some will come. Some won't. But some will. And we have that privilege then of proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting people to come to Him. And wonder of wonders, some come. And that's when we rejoice, right? We have the privilege to be used by God to share the good news of Jesus, inviting people to come to the One whose arms are open, ready to receive them. Huh? Great joy. Great joy. Verse 50, when the people said to Bartimaeus, he's calling for you, it says, throwing aside his cloak, 
he jumped up and came to Jesus. He was so excited that Jesus was going to do something for him. He literally jumped up. And then he threw aside his cloak when he came to Jesus. As some have suggested he did so because he didn't want, to hind- want that to hinder him in coming to Jesus. Get this garment away, this cloak, this heavy thing, put it aside. I want anything to stop me from coming to Jesus. But I wonder if there's another reason. The Life Application Bible Commentary says that this outer cloak was a large, heavy garment used as a coat as well as a sleeping mat. So throwing aside his cloak, he was saying, I'm not going to need this anymore, right? He didn't need a mat to lie on alongside the road or sit alongside the road as he was begging for food or whatever. Jesus was going to heal him and his life would never be the same. He won't need that anymore (laughs) when Jesus touched his life. There's a little boy in Sunday school and they were talking about this very passage of Scripture. And the teacher asked, what would you do if you met Bartimaeus? And the little boy said, I'd give him a dog to lead him around. Well, the thought was nice, right? He's blind. Give him a dog to lead him around. Jesus didn't give him a dog to lead him around. Jesus dealt with the very root of his problem, right? Not the symptom. He dealt with the very root. This guy was blind. He needed to see. And that's what Jesus dealt with. That's what the issue is, right? What's the root problem? This man needed Jesus. He didn't need a dog to lead him around. He needed a Savior. And that's what happened. He met Jesus and his life was changed. That's why the mercy of God is the greatest offer that we can extend to others. Thirdly, then, we see the mercy of God is the greatest motivation to follow Jesus. When Bartimaeus threw his cloak aside and came to Jesus, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And I've often pondered that question. Well, here he is, a blind beggar. You know, what do you, what, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it's obvious, right? He knew what he wanted. And what's interesting about this is that Jesus had already asked this very same question in a few verses before this, when James and John came to Jesus. Remember that? Verse 35, James and John The two sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And so Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Very same thing he said to Bartimaeus. What was their answer? They said, Grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. What were they looking for? Self-glory, yeah. Okay, here's what we want. In your kingdom, we want to be just right by you. In those spots of honor, right? And when the rest of the disciples heard about it, what was their response? They were upset. They were indignant. Why? Well, they wanted the same spot, right? And now you're asking for that. And Jesus rebuked them for their self-glory. They thought they deserved something from Jesus, but Bartimaeus was not concerned about self-glory. He didn't think he deserved anything. He needed the mercy of God. And when Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do? He said, Lord, I want to see. 
Just heal me, Jesus. I want to see. He didn't say, Lord, I need some money. He said, Lord, I need to see. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. There's an important principle here that applies, I think, to our salvation. Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he could do for him in order to give him an opportunity to confess with his mouth the desire of his heart. Is that biblical? You bet it is, right? What does Romans 10, 9 and 10 say? If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. So when it comes to salvation, there's something important about confessing with our mouth. And Jesus was giving Bartimaeus the opportunity to confess with his mouth the desire of his heart. Lord, I want to see, he said. Matthew 10, verse 32. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Confessing with your mouth and Believing in your heart. You know, salvation is likened to marriage, right? Remember that day? You two lovebirds over there, you stood right up here. I asked you first, Phil, right? And you said, I do, right? You weren't married then, were you? What had to happen? Sarah had to say, I do. And she did. I was there, a witness. So that marriage, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, pronounce you husband and wife. Now, she would have never said, I do. Number one, that would have been embarrassing, right? <laughs> and number two, you wouldn't be married. What is salvation? It's a relationship with Jesus, right? On the cross, what did Jesus say? I do. I, I want you. There comes that point we confess with our mouth, yes, Jesus, I do too. I want you to be my, my Savior. That's what happened with Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? He confessed with his mouth the desire of his heart. And the Lord transformed him in a very wonderful way. Now, the changes were twofold. There was a physical change, right? He was able to see, he experienced that wonderful miracle of healing. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight. And the fact that it says he re regained his sight may suggest that he had been able to see and then something happened, so he went blind, so he knew what it was like to see. And now he regained his sight but there was also a spiritual change in this man's life too. The very direction of his life changed because he began to follow Jesus. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Someone has said it isn't the perfection of our lives that gives evidence of our salvation. It is the direction 
of our lives that gives evidence of salvation. What direction are you headed? (laughs) Are you headed away from God, running from Him, or are you following Him? The direction of your life. That's the evidence of salvation where there is a desire to follow Jesus. Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what it was for Bartimaeus. It was the wonderful mercy of God that had changed his life. And Jesus, he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. That's what happens when you experience the mercy of God. When you've been set free from the bondage of sin, you've been brought into a living relationship with Jesus, it changes your desires. And one way it changes your desires is you want to follow Jesus. Lord, what do you want for my life? If you look in our bulletin, the order of service, you'll see our mission statement. Proclaiming Jesus that all may follow him. It's not proclaiming Jesus so you'll be spared from hell, even though that's what he does. Or proclaiming Jesus so that you'll get to heaven, and that's certainly a wonderful blessing. But what about following him? Proclaiming Jesus that all may follow him. I love the way this lady described her commitment to the Lord in her prayer. She said, Dear Lord, you be the needle and I'll be the thread. I will follow wherever you lead. A good way to put it. When you're hooked on to Jesus, He's the needle. You're the thread. Where Jesus leads you, you go. Because you're one with Him. You're connected to Him. Is that your desire today? To follow Jesus? Like Bartimaeus, have you experienced the mercy of God? Your eyes have been opened. You've seen your need. You know Jesus. Has that changed you? It will if it's real. And like Bartimaeus, he'll say, Lord, I want to follow you. Will it be easy? No. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Especially in the culture in which we live today, it's not easy. Is there blessing? Yes. Is it the right way to live? Yes. And when you've experienced the mercy of God, there's that desire to follow Jesus. That's our mission. Proclaiming Jesus that all may follow Him. Let's pray. Lord, give us that wonderful mercy today. Forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. Thank You that You're the one that opens our eyes to see our need and opens our eyes to see Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who has not experienced that life-changing mercy that you offer to us, that you would call them, that they would come to you and receive that wonderful gift of everlasting life, a gift that changes and transforms and causes us to want to follow Jesus. Lord, thank you for who you are, all that you've done. We pray in your name. Amen.